Having someone to be like, it's okay to not run today. It's okay to just sit on the couch and do nothing and watch a movie. It's okay to just chill. Hey, welcome back to the next episode. Today's podcast is brought to you by Knackbar. So go check them out. Their Instagram is amazing. Uh, it's at Knackbars, N-A-A-K-B-A-R-S. We have a discount code for you. TRW will get you 15% off at checkout. But these guys are amazing for ultra energy and ultra recovery. They are made in Canada, but you can get all over. And their big shtick is sustainable ingredients. So If you care about the climate and you want to get the best nutrition you can for long races, but in a way that's not going to impact the environment poorly, check them out. They have a lot there that explains what they're doing using sustainable ingredients. They also have protein powders where they use crickets. Sounds weird, but I've been after a cricket protein powder for a long time. That's kind of what drew me to them. No, it does not taste like bugs. It tastes amazing, but gives you really bioavailable proteins that your body needs to keep on going. Today's guest is Josie from New Zealand, our first New Zealand guest, and it's a little bit different of an episode, but I really loved chatting with her. She's a young runner who kind of just talks about going through university and finding running, and she's also getting an engineering degree, and now she's getting her PhD, and working through the balance between social life, academic life, and athletics, and it's really hard to do all three well. So how do you navigate that, especially when the social life at university can kind of take you out for a day or two after and the anxiety that comes with drinking a lot, um, which a lot of people also did during the pandemic. And that kind of is a common story. And I went through it as well. So we just kind of talk about um, the guilt that comes with it, whether or not it's worth it, how to navigate that. So there's a bit of just back and forth about that topic. And then we also hear her story about playing netball, getting into running, and um, she's got a lot going on. She's a pretty amazing person. So I loved chatting with her. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. I'll keep this introduction short, but I want to thank everybody for leaving ratings and reviews. You can just click a rating on Spotify or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show so much. If you go to my Instagram at hillsport55, there's a link there to our Patreon um, and to coaching stuff, <laughs> coaching information. And the Patreon is where I'm putting the backlog. I think there's only about 20 episodes up there now, but I'm going to continue because we have 175 episodes total and they will not last on Apple and Spotify. They disappear at the end, but the stories are still amazing and I want those interviews to live on somewhere. So you can join that to support the show for as little, I think, for $2 a month. Get all the episodes you want. Thanks everybody who's there. Um, Makes me happy and I appreciate it so much. I'm going to leave it at that. Here is Josie. I'm here today with our very first guest from New Zealand. I'm so excited to chat. This is Josie Dixon, who's currently 23. Welcome to the show. We haven't had a young listener slash runner in a long time, so I'm excited to get into your story. Yeah, super stoked to be here. Let's chat a bit about your history in high school and then getting into college now. Like You have a big kind of meaty part of your story that I want to talk about, so maybe just lead us into where you are now and, and what you're doing for running and, and a, like a brief history. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Josie. Uh, I'm 23 and I'm currently based in Christchurch, New Zealand, which is on the South Island on the East Coast. 
Um, it's I love absolutely love it down here. I live right at the bottom of the Port Hills, um, so I have basically daily access um, up to running in the hills and stuff. Um, and then also like love to get out surfing and and we have skiing and stuff in the winter, um, which is really really cool. Um, and so I moved down here in 2017 for uni, um, which I st- when I started undergrad. Um, oh, sorry, no, 2018. Um, uh, after finishing high school, 2016, I had a gap year um, and spent that over in Wales in the UK um, working as a teacher's assistant in a primary school. Uh, so it was a bit different but fun. Um but yeah, I did lots of traveling and, and partying, which was a good time. Um, but then, yeah, I guess sport and stuff. Uh, through high school, I hated running, um, absolutely hated running. It was not my thing. I played heaps of team sport, um, was, yeah, loved to do netball. I'm not sure you you know what netball is. You guys don't really have it in Canada, really, do you? Um, no, I was just going to say, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, with, you know, the feminist side of me will absolutely hate me for saying this, but it's kind of like the girls' version of basketball. It was, um, yeah, it was invented, I think, as, as that. Um, but basically, it's like basketball, but you can't bounce or move with the ball. Um, and it's supposedly non-contact, but it gets it gets pretty aggressive at times. Um, so it was really fun, played lots of uh, netball and then also handball as well, which is like a crazy European sport where you can bounce the ball. Um, uh, yeah, had a good stint at that and then um, also other social sports like soccer and um, a bit of rugby here and there and stuff, which was really good too. Um, yeah, so that's kind, of, that's kind of it really. All right, awesome. So. What I really liked about your story and what I related to so much, and we'll get more into it, is you kind of reached out with these like amazing things that you're doing, mm-hmm. engineering, PhD, um, and we'll get more into your netball <laughs> yeah. um, accomplishments here. And then the big question, balancing all of that with maybe drinking too much and partying really hard. And I think you said shocking hangovers, which <laughs> yeah, I can still remember from 20 years ago. Um, and I think that's something we haven't touched on that much in the podcast, but there's two sides of it. I think people like you um, and how I was is so all or nothing that you kind mm-hmm. of do everything to the best of your ability. <laughs> and the other side of it is there's so much pressure when you are doing other things at such a high level that it's like in order to cope, sometimes you just need to totally let go and then trying to like find where the balance is. Yeah. um, Yeah. So true. Can be a struggle, right? Mm. Um, So you said when you went, you took a gap year and moved to the UK and um, ate too much cake and drank obscene amounts of alcohol. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, we have to be easy on ourselves. Many people do. Yeah. Um, and then when you came back in 2008, you got asked to trial for the New Zealand women's handball team. Um, yeah. That's super impressive. How did that happen? Yeah, that was really cool, actually. Um, so I played a bit of handball um, in the later years of high school, year 12 and year 13, uh, which would be 16, 17 years old. Um, and 
it's it's a really niche sport in New Zealand. There's only sort of, or back then there was about a thousand players in the whole country. Um, and so there was a high school league um, in Wellington where I grew up and um, I'd done a little bit of Wellington regional stuff and we had um, gone to Australia to go and compete in the Oceania, uh, I think it was under 18 tournament. Um, and that was really cool. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, good fun. And then I had my gap year off in the UK and didn't really do much while I was over there. Um, and then when I got back, uh, the head coach for the women's team was looking at starting a campaign to go to the uh, Asian Championships, um, which would then is a qualifying um, uh, tournament for the World Cup that was going to be held in Japan in 2019. Um, and, yeah, I just um, – my coach got back in contact with me and um, asked me to asked me to try out um, when I got back, and that massively kicked my ass into gear um, after spending after spending a year of, as you said, eating too much cake and drinking too much. Um, but yeah, it was really awesome, and it was the most perfect motivator for me at that time. It was just what I needed to kind of get myself back into it, and especially with that whole. Um, team culture as well where everyone was supporting each other and and encouraging each other to you know do their best they can and um yeah so I tried out and and was um fortunate enough to be selected um and so then in we had a big training campaign sort of from March 2018 through to the actual champion uh championships in Japan in uh, late November 2018. Um, we also went over to uh, Aussie during that time as well to go and um, play in the Australian State Champs, which was um, also really good fun. So, yeah. Um, and then super unfortunate but also kind of silver lining out of it was that um, I ruptured my ACL while we were in Japan Um which was uh, super not ideal, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the silver lining out of that was that injury is actually probably what got me into running. So, yeah. So that's a lot. So this is all happening at the same time that you are starting engineering. Yeah. Um, so what I'm finding kind of interesting about this too is the bio that you sent is so, like, I don't know, what the word would be yin and yang, I guess. Like, yeah. and I can totally relate to that as well. Like there's so many amazing things about a high level team where like you said, you have that outside accountability and those friendships and that support. Mm, but yeah. at the same time, there's like this pressure to be doing everything right and be like your best self Um along with trying to do other things like for your career. So there becomes like stress and anxiety and how you deal with those things. Um, so did you have any tools when you say you were feeling stress and anxious through that, or was it just kind of part of playing at that level? Yeah. Um, to start off with, not at all. Um, I kind of just threw myself wholeheartedly into um, starting engineering um, and then also training for a 
national level team. Um, and if I remember correctly, it was around August. I just had a massive breakdown and I just remember sobbing on my bed, calling my mum. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. And um, yeah, it was, it, it did all get a bit much. And so I ended up going and seeing the doctor and she was really awesome. She just talked to me through um, some strategies of how to deal with it and how to um, how to say no. I'm a really, really terrible person at saying no when my plate is too full. Um, so that was really cool, really, really helpful. Um, and then also um, did some, this really um, like a sleep therapy thing, which was, uh, I was a bit skeptical about to start off with, but um yeah, it was it was really cool. Anyway, got my sleep cycle back into um, back into normal, and then I just started writing a diary, essentially, of what I had done that day, what my plan was that week, um, and just really organizing everything into my notebook and just translating all the jumble that I felt in my head onto paper. Um, and planning in my exercise almost as if it was like a class like um, for uni so that I had dedicated that amount of time that day to go and go to the gym or go do some sprints or um, you know go to training and stuff and so I found that incredibly helpful Um, and I've actually carried that that through um, even after I, I left um, Hamble, I still have my diary that I write absolutely everything in and um, yeah it's like my little lifesaver um, and then also um, we I think a, a similar thing happened to a few of the other players as well um, and the coach should kind of recognize that our mental health was um, being uh, I don't want to say compromised but um uh, falling a little bit um, with the pressure of it all. And, and it's, it is actually also really expensive um, as well. So a lot of people were um, kind of trying to work out finances around this time as well. And so we all went and did a massive big, um, one of our training sessions was just talking about mental health and how we can deal with it and like visualization and really um, using all the tools in the toolbox or, you know, giving us more tools in the toolbox to, to manage that um, stress and anxiety that comes with um, the, the heavy training load, but also real life because we were all, um, none of us are professional sports players. We were all trying to earn money and have jobs and have families at the same time as training for this, this massive um, tournament. So yeah, that was really cool that it kind of got recognized um, and, and was a big, in uh, the Māori word for it is kōrero, which is means like conversation and talk um, in in the team as well. So that was really cool. So that's a few kind of tough years or um, sorry, nine months of rehab. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. hard. I did laugh when you're like, I was afraid to kind of go back and re-injure it, and then you're like, but then I jumped into this marathon. Running is mostly straight lines, and ACL totally. injuries are 
deceleration totally. pivoting injuries well that's how I and nobody it. like hitting you when you're doing that accidentally yeah exactly but talk us through kind of the timeline on that so your knee was better but you're entering third year of engineering which like no matter where you live in the world is just a grueling education yeah. um and then COVID starts. So what did you do? What did it look like over there? I mean, I know it's always been a diff- bit different on how it was dealt with than for us North Americans. Yeah. So um, in terms of uh, all the COVID stuff, we're actually still in the middle of our Omicron outbreak. I don't know where you guys are with that. But um, so we're all still wearing masks and we're at, um, it's called red level alert setting, um, which basically means limited numbers and doors and stuff. And um still trying to deal with that but yeah so I guess if that puts any perspective on we're we're about I think three to six months behind the rest of the world but our bell curves have always been a lot lot flatter because of it um and I guess we're just really fortunate that we're this tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific um very unaccessible by a lot of things if we close our borders so we've been um incredibly incredibly lucky um with our sort of pandemic response I guess um but to start off with we kind of kicked off yeah COVID all kicked off uh end of March 2020 which I think was the same for everyone um and we went straight into a um really intense lockdown so we basically had 48 hours to get to wherever we were going to be for lockdown um, and so I had to, uh, my parents are up in Wellington, which is about an hour flight north, but on the North Island. So I would either have to drive and get a ferry or fly. Um, and I, it was two nights before a massive test that we were supposed to be having. And I was super, super stressed and on Air New Zealand trying to book flights. And my mum was on Air New Zealand trying to book flights and everything had been sold out because basically the whole country had just gone, oh shit, need to get back home um, and booked out all the flights. And so I ended up hitching a ride with my flatmate up to Nelson, which is about a five hour drive north. um, And then getting on a little tiny plane and flying across um, the Cook Strait to the North Island um, into Wellington which was a bit of an adventure. Um, It was good fun though. And so got home for lockdown um, and basically we weren't allowed to leave our house except for exercise and to go and get shopping, like food, um, for I think it was five or six weeks, um, which at the time seemed like a really, really long time. But now looking back, a lot of other countries and places were in um, in lockdown for a lot longer so yeah we were really lucky in that respect um, but it was uh, a super tough time because my um, dad's dad so my granddad actually passed away uh, uh, this time uh, in 2020 so just as the pandemic had started um, he passed away and so we were all kind of grieving from that and He's in the UK. Well, he was in the UK and and we couldn't go over and see everyone, obviously, uh, and still haven't been able to. Um, So we had this like Zoom funeral, which was super weird. And and it was all kind of 
um, yeah, and and I'd been super used to having all these team sports around me where I could go and um, have that outlet, but now I didn't have my people. It was just um, me and my family and my dog, and um, I was doing uni and stuff and really stressed out with that, and one day Dad um, was going for a run, and he was like, oh, just come with me, just come with me, and I was like, oh, okay. I hated running, but I'll, I'll slog it out and see what we do and um, went and actually just ended up loving it. Uh, it was exactly what I needed at that time and, and has been since really because where we live, we have um, a bunch of land out the back of our house um, and access into some hills and farmland and stuff. And so we could go and run in well, not on the streets and around things. It was um, it was just so nice and peaceful and just exactly the getaway that you needed, um, you know, in, in that time. And so, yeah, just started started during lockdown 2020 and then carried it on through um, ever since, really. So this race that you decided to <laughs> sign up for... Um, yeah. Is this the same one that he did with 2,500 meters of elevation? Yes. Yeah. So that was the other thing, Dad. We got into running, and Dad was like, "Oh, Joe, why don't why don't you come and do the shot over marathon with me?" And my sister and him had done it um, beginning of 2020, so before the pandemic. And it's basically this 45 kilometer mountain marathon through. Um, a big sheep station out the back of Queenstown. Um, and, yeah, as you said, it has 2,500 metres of elevation. Um, but it's not, like, trailed running. It's pretty bush bash through the tussock and over the rocks and a bit of scrambling. And, um, yeah, my sister had basically come back from that run and just gone, oh, my God, I thought I almost died. Um, <laughs> and so she wasn't really selling it to me very well. And, but in this naivety of, I've just found this amazing sport that I really love. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come do it. That sounds like fun. Um, so the first race that I signed myself up to was this, uh, 45k, 200, uh, meter elevation mountain marathon. So that was a bit of a joy. <laughs> That's so funny. So I like, cause you were, you justified it by being like, it's only five times 8k. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> isn't that far. And then with that amount of elevation, like that's so much. So for our American listeners, that is sev- over 7,500 feet for your first race. Like that is just a shit ton. Yeah. Um, you remember like partway through what you were thinking or what that day was like for you? Yeah, I actually, um, there was an aid station at 21k and just after that um I like kind of bounced out of this aid station like oh my gosh best day ever um I'm loving it um and this guy pulled me over he had one of the cameras and he was part of the um, promo team for it and was filming people and he pulled me over and was like can you do a little promo like video I was like yeah sure yeah sure and he interviewed me and was like how are you feeling I was like super good um like super stoked, loving it, can't wait for the next half, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and then got to the finish line, I think four hours later, and just collapsed over the finish line. And the same guy was there, and he was like, still feeling good? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, but it was, it was 
horrific. It was about uh, we started off. It was I. It wasn't horrific. It was type two fun. Loved it. It was great. Um, during it, it was pretty bad though. We started totally. off. It was about eight degrees. Oh no, probably less than that. Probably about four degrees, and then um, got kind of into the peaks of the hills, and then down into the valleys, and it got up to 35, 40 degrees, um, oh but super dry heat. So you're sweating heaps, but you don't notice it because it's just evaporating off you straight away. And so, yeah, we just had, I just had this like crusty, salty beard of dried sweat off my chin. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so gross. Um, but yeah, it was. I think that was the toughest thing was going from really cold in the morning to super super hot lunchtime, kind of into the afternoon, and it just you just dehydrate so so quickly in that weather. And I hadn't really run in that before. Um, yeah, so that was really cool experience. And then I ended up signing up for it again this year, about six weeks later after I'd forgotten all the pain. As I think everyone does. Um, it's like having a baby. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, that ended up getting cancelled because of of COVID. But it was actually really cool though, because the normally the the terrain and um, with the where they run the race is closed off to the public and they only open up the station for this race. Um, but after they cancelled it this year, they just basically said, "Oh." If you're in Queenstown and you want to have a go, you're more than welcome to just come and access the land and do your own self-supported one. Um, so me and Dad ended up doing that this year, which was good. And it was a lot more relaxed because you're not – we weren't racing. We were just running because we wanted to run. So we stopped and had a snack and took a photo and enjoyed the views a lot more than we would have if we had been running it as a race. So, yeah, that was a really cool experience as well to go back and do it again. Um, and how cool that you guys could do that together that's awesome yeah yeah it's really awesome I love um, running with my dad it's let's get into a bit of your struggles then because I don't Mm -hmm. think that we have really discussed them too much on the show before as far as like figuring out like why it happens and maybe what a solution is and it's so common yeah Um, so you finish your undergrad and you're starting your PhD so you have so much going on and you're still super young um, so like you said, how do you deal with not compromising your hard work for a night of fun and a shocking hangover? Um, because training for ultras does take a lot. So you sort of want to feel good, um, uh, without sacrificing just like your fun times as a youth. Is yeah. That kinda how you're feeling? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's actually funny that we're doing this now because this weekend just happened was, uh, supposed to be graduation, um, for undergrad, but that got canceled because of COVID. Um, but my parents came down anyway, and on Friday afternoon, I text my coach, and I just said, oh, can I um, can I not do my long run on Saturday, please? Can I swap it with my rest weekend? Because uh, I want to have a few drinks tonight. And she was like, of course, of course, go celebrate and stuff. So that was really cool. But, um, yeah, I just think it, – I've I've always been the kind of person to just throw myself wholeheartedly into everything and put everything into it, and I hate um, compromising that in any way. So, like, um, you know, if I'm putting heaps and heaps of hard effort 
into training for these marathons and ultras and stuff. I don't want to compromise that by having – like I know, you know, there's so few and far between it is fine, but still in my head I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I have a night out, that means I can't go for a run on – Saturday or I, if I do go for a run on Saturday because I'm feeling guilty about it I'm at higher risk of injury and all these other things and I'm not going to enjoy it because I'm going to be hungover and it's going to be horrible so yeah I guess um I've kind of now especially after the weekend and just just being like it's totally fine go celebrate like learned that it's actually okay to take a day off to go and live real life <laughs> um but yeah Yeah, it's funny, you know, like, we're very similar in that, like, I feel more than, like, I am not drinking at all right now because more than the actual amount of alcohol that I would ever drink, Mm. um, I mean, recently, when I was your age, this is different, that's a different (laughs) (laughs) But still, like, it's still the mental effects of how I used to feel then. Yeah. Um, It's... It wasn't as much like you said, like that actual day after and that actual hangover, but it was the time in between and the being worried or anxious about how I was going to feel in the future. Yeah. Um, If that makes any sense. So it would be like, for example, if we said there's like four months of summer and I was going to be hungover on three of the nights realistically, that's like, okay, you have to live and have balance. And you had three nights where you celebrated something um not a huge deal but the time in between the three nights for some reason I'd be like exactly everything you just said where I would get stuck on well then I'm not gonna be able to do that run or then I'm gonna get injured or then I'm gonna be yeah feel guilty and then I'm gonna miss it and like that to me was what wasn't worth drinking Um, yeah and so I very much drink in a long time um because the anxiety of like wondering what it's going to be like was not worth it. And somebody finally said like, you don't have to decide if you have a bad relationship with alcohol based on the numbers that you take in, like those quizzes online, but <laughs> yeah. if it's negatively affecting your life. Then like, maybe there's no point. Um, and that really resonated with me. Oh and gosh, that's so true. It is so right. True. Like, because it's so easy to quantify it and be like, well, the girl next to me is drinking way more and she's fine. So therefore I should be fine. But like, maybe they just don't care. And everybody's yeah. brain reacts to it differently. Yeah. Um, oh my so gosh, that's so true. It's, it's so true. And it's so complicated. And obviously mm. you have like, um, so much good in your life that like, you're never gonna have anybody look at what you're doing and be like, you have really accomplished more if you quit drinking. Cause like, let's get serious. You just <laughs> yeah. finished an engineering degree and are getting your PhD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but one thing too is like, I think, and this obviously isn't like doctor advice, but I think you just kind of grow out of it too. Like things change the way you guys celebrate changes. Um, and there is something to be said for like just enjoy being young because those hangovers are a lot shittier in your thirties. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I think also, I mean, I'm not sure what it's like in Canada, but there's also actually been a massive boom here with alcohol-free and low alcohol stuff as well. Not so much in my age group, more so kind of um, in the casual drinking 
like getting a beer and stuff, you get a zero, um, which is really cool. And that's, that's awesome having that like accessibility, but you know, people still take the mickey out of you for sitting there with your zero beer and they're like, ah, oh, come on, man. Have some alcohol. Totally. <laughs> like, totally. And that's the worst part of it. And I can remember, I think I was like 25 when I first was like, I wonder if I could just not drink for a little bit. Like yeah. the thought never even occurred to me. Like it was like, if you go out and party, you have to drink. That's just how it works. Yeah. Um, and then I started, I met some other people that were like also not wanting to drink so much. And I started to go to bars and go to parties and just get like pretend drinks. Nobody knew I wasn't drinking, but I was going enough to just fake it and had like cranberry and soda. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm still here. I'm still having fun and nobody else even knows I'm not drunk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then I wake up and feel amazing. And I was like, that experience changed my life. So I would suggest even once like secretly not drinking for a weekend and being seeing if it's equally as fun because like oh my gosh yeah I've done it I I have done it a couple times and it's so funny watching all your drunk friends when you're not drunk totally um just like people watching (laughs) it's awesome yeah yeah Um, exactly and like you still all run to the bathroom and they tell you hilarious stories and yeah 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 yeah, exactly energy right yeah yeah no yeah it is good um yeah so hopefully it becomes I guess I just, uh, what frustrates me is how stigmatized it is. Like, it's just like, oh, come on, man, just have a drink, you know? And it's just like, oh, but I don't want totally. to. Totally. It's just because everybody knows they don't want you to affect their own. Yeah. Mood, right? Exactly. I think for some reason, if you're not drinking, then they're not going to have as much fun. I've also found that's usually just like, the first 10 minutes. It's just when people find out that's how they react. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then it goes away, but. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've always just thought like there's so much to think about and so much to be said for that kind of culture and what we created. And mm. um, over here, it's starting to feel like more people, younger people, are like thinking that it's silly because of the effects that it does have on your brain. Like even a little bit of alcohol, um, and that it really was kind of like our parents' drug. And if you actually looked at like how bad it really is for you um Mm. that like a lot of why we drink is marketing and that eventually if you were to go out and have a glass of wine it would be like as weird as going indoor to a restaurant now and somebody just lighting up a cigarette um yeah oh my gosh that's so true right like we're just learning so much more um so i don't know but it is it's such a it's such a such a a hard time when you want to do every thing and enjoy everything and yeah I don't know it's just part of it I guess but yeah all part of growing up as they tell me yeah exactly and the fact that you like have a coach and a support system and you have goals um is still really cool because then I think that helps with like feeling like okay so I enjoyed myself that weekend and it was really worth it and now I'm like super stoked to go like train hard for a couple months or something and give you balance basically right and everybody talks about like yeah and I guess the thing that I love about um having a coach and my experience with that so far has been having that accountability but also having someone to be like it's okay to not run today it's okay to just sit on the couch and do nothing and watch a movie it's okay to 
just chill, you know, and actually being, whereas before I was like, oh my gosh, got to go for a run, got to go for a run, got to go do fitness, got to go like go to the gym, got to go do all this and, you know, but having that structure um, has been really good and, yeah, as you say, you know, like I, I mean, this weekend I, I just swapped my my rest week to this week um, so that I could have my big night for graduation and stuff. And it's just really, yeah, it's been really awesome having that. Yeah. And it's like the same thing, like that is somebody giving you permission to not always be productive yeah. and that you're allowed to rest. And sometimes that actually is more productive than doing all the things. And it's just like being able to be calm is such a struggle, but it is so good for you as well. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Um, right. But it's, it's so hard. I can still relate to that. Yeah. It's been awesome. And the other part of it is that like, you know, like people listening to this too, we're, we're definitely justifying a bit like, Oh yeah, just be young and, and have fun. And I think it's important to note that like, if you are feeling and not you specifically, I mean, anybody listening yeah, is feeling like they don't know if they have a healthy relationship with alcohol or they're feeling like maybe deep down they know that they're doing more harm than good and it is more than celebrating every once in a while, then like there is no stigma to that. Even if you are like getting some sort of medical degree, like that just happens. So just go talk to somebody because you're totally not alone. Trust me. And it's just not worth suffering through it. Oh yeah. So true. And like, yeah, I've definitely had friends and stuff be like, okay, I've kind of go through that whole recognition of like, ah, shit, yeah, I need to like actually maybe think about slowing down a bit or stuff. And yeah, it's definitely, but it's also okay to go out and have a wild night. Like it's just when they become every night that it's, yeah. but Yeah, exactly. Or if you're, you know, at home in the bath getting wasted by yourself. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, we've all done that too. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think it's just so common. Like, it's nobody's fault. It's the alcohol's fault. So yeah. Yeah. So don't true. Stigmatize the person. It's like this weird drug that is pushed on you literally since you are a kid. The first time you see a commercial, it's like, in order to enjoy life, it, you have to sit on a patio with this drink and that's what makes you a cool person. Yeah. So so true. Right. Like we are all fighting like a very big marketing scheme, not just you. Mm. Anyways, I digress. That's my unsolicited advice. for (laughs) No, thank you. It's fantastic advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm excited to see how it goes with your, with your races. And I mean, I feel like I want to come over there and so you can show me. Oh my gosh, you should. It's amazing. Yeah. One of my, um, on my bucket list is to come over to Canada because it seems just like a even more wild and scary version of New Zealand with grizzly bears or bears that are going to come and eat you in the forest. But we don't have. It's so funny how the other wildlife is scarier because I'm like, nothing here is scary. But then I think of like anything you guys have over that way. And I'm like, no, bugs and spiders and things and warm things. Oh, no, see, that's only in Australia. In New Zealand, we don't really have that. We're just like, if anything is going to catch you out on the trails, it'll be the weather. It, the weather just changes so quickly. Really um, interesting. Yeah, but then but then that's kind of in the super alpine stuff that it starts to get 
proper dangerous if you're just running around the hills come out the back of my house yeah the worst thing is going to be you're going to trip over a stick nothing's going to come he's going to come and eat you so it's it's really great that's only australia where things everything wants to kill you <laughs> that's so funny that you guys aren't that far apart and the scary animals are not no yeah i don't know what happened all of our native animals are um prey sorry yeah prey so they're all birds um, all birds and lizards that kind of just like do their thing in fact uh so the kiwi bird which is kind of that national icon can't even fly because it didn't have any predators so it didn't need to be able to fly away from anything oh my god that's so funny yeah <laughs> you guys live in a little oasis enjoy it that's amazing it is pretty awesome yeah. Well, I super appreciate you telling your story and just like speaking about this. Um, I think if I was younger and heard two people just like talk about it candidly, it really would have helped me. So um, no matter where you are at, the fact that you are willing to just like talk about it will help other people. So I really appreciate that. Oh, awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, so if our listeners want to hear more of you or just reach out and say hello or anything like that, do you have a, um, an Instagram or any place that they can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, my Instagram is Josie's dot ventures um uh yeah all right sweet and last question Mm -hmm. um what is your i guess what is your like your favorite post-race meal that is like a new zealand special what is like the food out that way oh my gosh um i love salty chips which uh, I, I don't know, not fries. They're like cold potato chips. Um, Kittle, Kittle has got to be the brand. Um, salty chips. And then also um, I normally have a tuna and cheese toasty, which I think you guys call a tuna and cheese like melt sandwich. Melt? Yeah. <laughs> like tuna with with cheese melted on a piece of bread. Yeah, or but like in a toasted sandwich, so you like toast it in a toasty machine, which probably means absolutely nothing to you. <laughs> um, no, I don't think we have toasty machines. Do you mean like what are they called? People are going to be like uh, toaster oven. Same thing, probably. Maybe, yeah. It's like a waffle machine in the sense that it's like two irons, but it doesn't have the waffle imprint in it. So it's just like, and you put your sandwich between it, and it like toasts both sides of it and melts everything on the inside and makes it warm and delicious. Anyway. That sounds epic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's what I have normally. Um, and a beer, always, always a beer or like an alcohol-free beer. Yeah, that I get the like the finish line refreshment. Yeah, is one of a kind for yeah. sure. So so true. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing again. And yeah, I look forward to following your adventures and seeing pictures of your glorious land of running over there. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Hillary. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Cheers. Bye.